My name is Tyson Schaffner, and this is the street I grew up on right here in St. Genevieve, Missouri. I've traveled the world, I've met tons of amazing people, and I'm constantly learning. Now it is my turn to come back and to give back. That's why I've started the Patched Overalls Scholarship. Your challenge is this, answer these two questions. What do I want, and how bad do I want it? My guest today, I list as an adventurer, and you're wondering, has he climbed Mount Everest? Has he explored the Arctic tundra? And yes, he has, as a matter of fact. He hasn't climbed Everest, but he's been on many adventures, has driven tanks, has um, has skydived many times. Is just a guy that is really living his life and experiencing all these different things. He studied at the Full Sail program. His last semester of college was spent at sea. And he has went on numerous trips, and he's been very helpful to people. He's lived his dream to be a, a sound mixer on the real world. He's worked in television all over the world. He's been on The Amazing Race as a sound mixer. He's, he's ran around. He's, he's done all these great things, and he's sharing his passion with, with others. He set up a scholarship called the Patch Overalls Experience, and he's sharing this with kids from his hometown of St. Genevieve, Missouri. Tyson Schaffner has lived in L.A. for a number of years. He's spending a little bit of time back in St. Genevieve. He's just a great guy. You'll hear this in the conversation. As always, check us out on Twitter. You can find Tyson linked to me and my social media through Facebook. Uh, he's a friend of the show on Conversations with Calcaterra on Facebook. Twitter, uh, Instagram, my Instagram, Ken Calcaterra. I'm posting photos of the guest of the show on there. So, Link up on social media, find us through iTunes, uh, give us a rating for the show, give us a review if you like the show with Tyson. If I'm sure you'll love it. He's just a great dude. We go back to college, and, and I'm privileged and honored to know him. So you heard a little bit at the beginning of this show from a video that we created for the Patched Overalls experience. And I want to thank Javier Mendoza for his great music that we used in the video. You'll hear that here on the podcast. So now here he is, my my good friend, Tyson Schaffner. What adventures have you been on recently? Oh my goodness. Um, I guess the most recent, was it two or three weeks ago, I was in uh, Minnesota doing a training trip. I'm going to go dog sledding in Norway. So the uh, training trip was in Minnesota. So I spent like a week learning about dog sledding. And we spent, I don't know, th I think it was three nights and four days dog sledding in the Boundary Waters near Canada. And it was the first time I'd ever been dog sledding. First time I'd ever been on cross-country skis. First time I'd ever been winter camping. And, uh, yeah, there, <laughs> there was a couple of moments there where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But you had no choice. You got to keep going. Yeah. And for a guy that, when you say the first time for a lot of this, I'm like, you've driven a tank. Yes, And so I was like, I figured that you had already done that. And I was telling someone the other day, like, oh, my buddy Tyson's coming by and he's yeah, done this and that. he's done the Iditarod. And so now I didn't realize you were going to Norway. So that's that's a new piece of information for me. Yeah. Yeah. The um, well, when I originally I had this idea two years ago, I was like, I'm going to do something I've never done. And dog sledding is what eventually I stuck on. I booked the trip. The guy who runs the company had to cancel because he got a call from National Geographic. 
So of course you got to cancel that trip and go with National Geographic. I get it. Oh, of course. So yeah, yeah, that's, two, a, that's yeah. a clutch cargo game. Yeah. So two years later, I was able to pull it off again, and then a part of the the program that they offer, you know, like if you do a a big trip, they let you do a local trip included. So it's called Wintergreen, and they're up in Minnesota. The great people, the guys who run it. Uh, the guy who uh, I was with is Paul Shirky, and that guy's been to the North Pole, and he's been to he's done a bunch of stuff. So it seemed like a legitimate place. I just went for it. Very cool. Now you've been. You've been partaking in adventures like this uh, for, was this after college? Did you do it in high school or when you were growing up? When did you start? I know it's, no, it's been a while. Well, I think my first big one was um, semester at sea in college. That was my first time. Like I'd left the country once before um, and I, when I was 15 and it was, I was very shy. I was very nervous. It was an educational thing with a school, um, a teacher I had at the time and, uh, but when I got to college, I really let loose, and I was like, I want to try everything. And then I did a Semester at Sea, and then it was just I don't know, all downhill from there or all uphill. But uh, Semester at Sea 2001 is when it all kind of really started for me to go off and try to do something. Right on. See, somewhere. Was, see, with me, I was always more of a bookworm, and I would I would read about these wonderful things, and I loved it. It was great. There's so much you can, you can oh, yeah. explore reading. And then I get to the point where it was like, now I want to experience more of these. Yeah. So I always do things, I think, backwards. It's like, oh, <laughs> I should have hiked around Europe when, uh, you know, when I was in my 20s or when I graduated high school. But I'm this kind of person, uh, I'll get around to that maybe when I'm 50. Well, it's never too late. Because I know, like, traveling then versus traveling now – when I was 15, you know, like I said, the first time I really left the country, I was 15. I didn't appreciate it as much. I, I, w- I was like, I'm in Italy and I'm having pizza, but it's not like real pizza. Pizza I had it in, in Missouri <laughs> yeah. is like, that's real pizza. I don't know what this Italian pizza is. And then you realize as you get older, like, oh, okay, places are different and you just kind of have to go with it, you know. Um, so it's, I don't think it's ever too late to start traveling. And it just depends on where you are in your life, if you can do it. And then you can take something from there and you can grow. It doesn't matter if you're 18, 15. 80, there's a chance for you to grow somewhere along that line. And I made a mistake. When I was in the Navy, I, I was able to see some great places. But then, like you stated, I just didn't have that maturity level, just too caught up in what the United States is. So it's like, oh, hey, there's McDonald's. I know McDonald's. I, and granted, I didn't go to McDonald's all the time. I went to, you know, I experimented with local cuisine, but yeah. it was like McDonald's. That's what you know, this and that. And now I stay away from McDonald's. Oh, I'm just, just funny. Yeah, I, I never eat it. And it's McDonald's horrible. is my comfort food when I travel. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, I just want something and I know what I'm going to get. Cause I'm, I'm tired of like, in one country year I was in, you know, nothing was in English. Nothing was even in, you know, English lettering, you know, it was like Albania, you know, whatever. And it's like, I have no, idea. I'm just pointing at things. And I'm hoping for the best. So we get to a city somewhere. And I'm like, McDonald's. Yay. I know exactly what a Big Mac is. I'm going to order a Big Mac. And there's some comfort in that. And yeah. that's nice. Uh, that's nice to do. Nowadays, I think I'm a little more. I don't know. When I went to Italy 10 years ago, at one point we did. Uh, I met some people from Thailand and we were hanging out. And I think we did go to McDonald's. So at yeah. one point. There's but, a time and a place for it, For it, I think. Yeah. Other than that, it was I was going to my friend Renzo's restaurant and I, yeah. I was going to all these other places and it was it was magical and eat whatever you want and you you know, I think I lost eight pounds because I walked so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the food was just a lot cleaner there and it was, you know, even though I eat, I think I had gelato every day, it's still, it's like, whoa, I'm looking kind of trim. This is, this is great. So I, I need to get back yeah. and, and maybe... Uh, you know, finish this 
what what I've started this year and trying to, you know, be on a fitness kick. Yeah. I know I, I get yelled at by some of my friends who travel and live in other countries because when it comes to experiencing another person's culture, food is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the parts that I'm not as adventurous in. You know, um, I was in Vietnam and they had something called like snake wine and you see this wine and it's got a <laughs> cobra in it. And supposedly, you know, dead I, cobra or live dead it's cobra. Supposedly, the they I, I don't know. Somebody can tell me if it's true or not. But they supposedly they ferment it with the yeah. cobra in there. You know, and, and I'm so like, the cobra's alive when they ferment it. I I don't know. I didn't <laughs> understand. All I know is I was 18. You know, and I Google actually, that. Yeah, no, I was in semester at sea, so I was yeah. in college, and I see the snake wine, and they're like, "Oh, try this." I'm like, "No," and then. It, all my travels, like I got really nervous with certain foods and I'm in, you know, somewhere and I'm like, ah, that, that food made me sick. So now every time I think about that food, I get sick. So when it comes to food, I am not as adventurous as some people are, um, but I'm getting better. I was in South Korea a year ago and I was much more just trying whatever. And then sometimes you don't have a choice. You, you just, here's, here's your food and it's on a banana leaf and that's all you get. And you're like, okay. And you eat it up. That's cool, man. That's cool. I was thinking I forgot that semester at sea was during college. I thought it was a bit after. And I was it was thinking, my last semester of college. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, as soon as I finished, I graduated. Okay, all right. See, that's yeah. what I I had some disconnect. I didn't know exactly when that happened. Yeah. I was thinking, I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, semester at sea would have been cool. And I'm thinking, like, wait a second. I kind of did it. I did a semester at sea on an aircraft carrier. And <laughs> yeah, you kind of did I, it. You know, grabbed a couple, uh, semesters when I was there when we were traveling so that was kind of cool so yeah you know I lived on a boat but I think it would be interesting as as a media student to be a part of that and and maybe maybe I'll teach there at one day or something along those lines. I got to go on a semester at sea again last year for a month I was able to be on board the ship and see all the the students that were a part of it and um, this time and it was interesting doing it now as an adult versus the, you know, the students and hearing the students having these conversations about visiting these other countries. And it was a sod, a lot of the same conversations that we had, like, what are the ethics of when you travel as an American to another country? Um, what, what sort of image are you giving off? And, and, and what I mean by ethics is our like media wise, what taking a photo of somebody in, in America, you kind of think, Oh, if you're out in the street, you're it's, it's public, you know, your picture might get taken, whatever it happens and there's nothing you can do about it. But if I'm walking around, say the marketplace in, in Morocco or something, is it ethical for me to just walk up and start taking pictures of people? Is that a nice thing? Is it considered rude there? Um, I don't know. So these are the conversations these kids are having too. And it was just kind of interesting now as an adult to be like, yeah, you know, they're, they're concerned about the image of as an American traveling abroad and what, what is okay and what's not okay. And in some places that you go to a village, it's a, you're, there's a little payola, which which in dollars is not much, but right. to that village it could mean it could mean the world to them. I, right. a, a buddy of mine named Matt Wicks, he you know he went to he was in Kenya and some different countries throughout um, throughout Eastern Africa, and he that was one of the things like to take pictures. You know he would trade something or, yeah. or some yeah. kind of goods or money or whatnot, and it just. It's it's as good. It's yeah. good for the whole economy, but there yeah. there is that there is I, I guess an ethic or you just yeah. knowing what's 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 the view of that tribe. Well, all else fails. You ask you know. Oh, pull of your Camera up and be like, can I take a yeah. photo? And they might say no, and then you just say okay, and you walk away. Or you can you know offer a trade or some money, or even be like, I will give you a copy, but when you make that promise, you better keep that promise. You know, mm-hmm. if you get an email address or you know Facebook, I mean these things are worldwide. If you make that promise, keep it. 
you know, it's it's good for your soul. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how many countries have you visited? Um, I think uh, over 60. I, I'm uh, maybe like 67, I think. Now, that's anywhere from maybe a couple of hours to the longest I was in any one country at one time. I was um, two or three months on a job once. But, like, I was in Bosnia for a couple of hours. You know, our bus went over the border. We stopped. We had lunch. We looked at the scenery. We got back on the bus, and we took a huff, and then we left Bosnia. I count that as a place I've been. Um, I don't count airports, layovers. Those don't count. Um, I was technically, I was on a, on semester at sea. I was, our ship docked off Singapore to refuel. My passport had a Singapore stamp, but I never got off the boat. So I don't count Singapore. I don't count it as someplace I've been. So you didn't throw a patch on your, on your overalls for that? There's no patch for Singapore. I don't don't count it. (laughs) Yeah. And so the listeners know, and we'll put a link to your, your video. We'll get, we'll, we'll get into the patch overalls experience in a minute, but it all started with you. You had your overalls and you put patches from every country that you visited and we disqualified that. Yeah. Um, tell me how, how where did you get that idea to, to, to brand yourself that way? Um, you know, when you travel, you'll see people, backpackers or, you know, anywhere people have patches, you know, motorcycle driver, right? You know, they got a patch for whatever. And I just saw people traveling and getting patches on their backpacks. And I was like, this will be really cool. And then uh, when I started doing it, I'd already done semester at sea. I'd already been some other places with work and, you know, whatever on my own. And uh, very quickly, I realized I didn't have a backpack big enough for all the patches. So I was like, well, it'd be really funny. I'll do overalls. That's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, so I bought some overalls and then at a thrift store and uh, just started putting the patches on it. I was thinking about the other day. I think I've had those overalls now over seven years, maybe close to 10 years now and just kept adding patches every year. That's cool. Now, do you wear those overalls when you're when you're traveling to other countries, or do you just wear them here in the states? I used to not take them with me. I was so nervous about hurting them. And now, in the last couple of years, I've been traveling with them, especially since we we you just brought it up. Uh, the patched overalls experience, the nonprofit that we started. Um, I take them with me now, and I have like it's almost like the the traveling patched overalls, and I'll take pictures in places with them or people that I meet, you know. And uh, so now they're sort of like yeah, my brand, like I'm my own. Uh, mascot now do you have a patch for the patched overalls experience no that's a great idea yeah. i need to do that that'd be that'd be cool yeah, get my so, own patch yeah so so to let the audience know what this is so you started with your traveling you you put the patch overalls together and then was this before you moved uh or you bought a house in saint genevieve or was it like like after how when did that happen where you decided to create this experience for for the students so my um my vice president, which is still weird for me to say, um, my right hand in all this, her name's Carrie Staffen. Um, she, we, we grew up together. Her husband and I graduated together. Anyway, she worked at St. Genevieve High School, which is where I graduated from. Um, over the years, she did, uh, invited me to come and talk to the students about my job and my travels and just talk to the students about you know life lessons and that. Um, so after three, four, five years of doing this, I was like, how do we do more? What's the next step? And Carrie really helped work with me on this. And then uh, it kind of just turned into um, maybe I can offer a scholarship. And then it formed even more. I, I had met a guy years ago traveling, and he told me, find out what you love to do, become the best at it, and then do, then do it, use it to help people. And I was like, well, I'm good at taking trips. And I've learned a lot from taking trips. And I think this is something I can maybe try to share with somebody else so they can maybe learn the same things I did 
or learn something I never learned. I don't know. So it all started to morph together and it's like, let's offer the scholarship program. And, uh, it all happened. Gosh, it's been like two or three years now. And one interesting thing to let the listeners know, I had a big fail on that. I started talking about it. Then I asked you another question, but it's, <laughs> that's the fun of a podcast. You know, we have a little bit we of do time. What we, want. We, can, we do yeah, what we you want. Know, make those mistakes. Warts and all. That's who we are. But with that, you are offering, so you put up some of your own money, you set up uh, you set up a fund, an escrow fund, is um, that correct? Well, technically, I think it's just te- it's, it's just a... Um, savings account or something along those lines? a savings account at this point, yeah. So you put money aside, and yes. uh, mostly everything is, is your own money at this point. Yes. And you have it set up where you're giving these experiences. Well, students earn it. They put a presentation together, yes. and then you have, you have an approval committee or, or a board that goes over these. And then we'll say, all right, this this year, this student is getting this, and they get this amount of money. What was the cap on the money? Was it twenty five hundred? Yeah, twenty five hundred. Okay. We, we uh, the students create a proposal, and they explain the logistics and personal value of any experiential learning activity that they choose. The students choose it, and then they have to explain logistically and the personal value. How does this? What 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 all this means? And then the selection committee listens to all the proposals and says, we pick this one student, and we offer them up to twenty five hundred dollars. Um, to live out the plan that they had just created. So last year, last school year was our first one, and then we just um, did a second one this year. So we're just kind of getting the ball rolling. But And both times we have given out the maximum amount of $2,500. Nice, nice. What were the what were the uh, adventures that the that the students went on? What what experiences did they have through through the through the program? I will say this: the students have come up with the most amazing things, and and it's a small rural community, Saint Genevieve, and these kids are already thinking globally, which is pretty amazing. And then they want to act locally. So part of our program too is is that whoever we choose, they have they're obligated to come back and share their experience um, with the rest of the community somehow. It's up for them to create it. Um, but that's a big thing is to share it. So they're going to think really big and go do this awesome thing and then bring it back and then expand the the knowledge to people there who have maybe have never experienced it. Like our very first person, um, Allison, she did a 12-day marine biology program with a company called Broadreach. And she lived in the Caribbean on a boat for 12 days or whatever. I think it was 10 days, you know, day down and day back travel. And she learned about marine biology. She learned how to scuba dive. She learned um, basic sailing techniques, you know. Being in Missouri, you don't have an option to learn about marine biology unless you get to do it. So that's what she did. And now she's coming back. to She came back and just is now setting up a way to talk to the students about her experience. So that's her giving back now. That's fantastic. And it's a great way to share the world with others, as, as you stated. Yeah. So I, I love it. That's cool. And, and so everything's going good with that. You're, uh, you're set on funding with it, or are you still – are you fundraising? How – how are you going about that? That's a good question. So, <laughs> um, like you said, uh, up to this point, you know, 99.9% of it has been my personal money. And uh, we're just now a getting to the point where we're going to open up for donations. We became an official 501c3 nonprofit organization recognized through the IRS um, in July or August of last year. So we're, and then right September, all of a sudden it's the new season. So um, for picking another student so that took over everything so now now that the uh, new student is set up and his money has been paid and now we can focus on taking donations which is where we are now so we at this point it's been my money but we are definitely open for donations i just have to learn how to get the name out there a little better yeah we have a video that uh that we put you together. have a video uh, you, well, you you have the video i helped you with it you shot it you 
um, edited it. You added all the graphics. You got the music for it. So don't yeah, don't you, be you modest were the, now. You were the inspiration. <laughs> it was fun. It was a good. It was, it was good great time. working with you on that project. So we'll we'll put a link to that on the uh, the show page. Oh, great. So people can check it out. See what it's all about. See the patched overalls, what they look like, and yeah. and learn a little bit more about your background. Now, how did you go about? How do you go about making your money to uh, to put this together? Is it all legal? Yes, it's all legal. <laughs> I guarantee it. It as a nonprofit, everything is public record. No, I mean um, you making your money. We well, we know it's no, yeah. How do you make your money? Oh, okay. Well, is it ethical? Well, that's probably questionable. <laughs> um, as an audio mixer and reality TV, some people may not find that purely ethical. Or, uh, yeah, you know, it's entertaining. 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 Yeah, maybe. Uh, my words are a little funny, but. Yeah, I've been an audio mixer in reality TV for uh, 15 years. Anywhere from, I got my start with MTV on Real World. And then from then, just sort of followed the wave of reality TV and still do. And that's how I've been making my money to pay the bills. And then, um, which led to part of my traveling, which has led me to um, giving me the sort of lifestyle that I can be a freelance guy, right? So I work really hard for two months and I'm like, I'm going to take a month off. And then I buy a flight to Europe and, you know, whatever. So that's it's been a good experience. That's the cool thing about freelance until those times where it's super dead or, you know, I'm developing projects and it's like, whoa, that month is three months. I need yeah. to start making money. Yeah. You, um, you have to be really good at budgeting. And it's, uh, it's not always the easiest thing to learn when you're 21 years old. And they're like, hey, here's some money. And you're like, awesome. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't have a job for a month and I just spent all of my money. <laughs> So it's, but you have to get really good at budgeting and it helps to, you know, to live below your means because you don't know when that next job is going to come. So now tell, tell the listeners, and, and I was there, that aha moment when you're like, I want to be a sound guy. Oh Do you my. remember that? Oh, is it, was it working on your film in college? It was, it, it, it was before that. It was before <laughs> yeah, actually, that. Actually, I think, yeah, because we, in college, Ken and I went to college together at Webster University. And uh, I studied audio, which at that time was mostly music recording. It was almost all music recording. Yeah, it was recording. like a lot of studio. There yeah. really wasn't any field audio. Yeah. It was audio for video at, yeah. at in those days, back in the Stone Ages then, <laughs> which which I don't even know if, if these days, if, if students really focus on audio as we have. I've done yeah. a little yeah, sound engineering, worked on a few shows, not, not to the extent that you have, but it's, you know, it's a little more, you know, mixers, we have wireless mics and a lot of times on the student level i think it's like hey let's plug the mic right into the camera and we'll try to mix it on the camera which hey if it works yeah. but not the best way but it was at at the time it was a class that i was taing yeah. and we had an audio speaker nick coleus yeah and i was like tyson you love audio hey there's this come guy check this nick guy coleus out. come check this guy out i still remember his quote if they ever hear somebody say fix it in post you call him an a-hole yeah yeah yeah. He, he was great. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah, you got to be a crazy mf or to, we're going to try to keep this one not explicit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Eh, Either way. But yeah, he's like, you got to be a crazy motherfucker to hold this boom pole over your head. And Yeah, he was a crazy guy. But I still remember that if you ever, if somebody ever says, fix it in post, you call him an asshole. Yeah. He's great. Now he's, uh, I was just talking to somebody. He, he's been in Seattle for a while because his wife studied like forestry some sort of forestry management. So she, she had her degree in here in Missouri and then the, had an opportunity in Seattle. Now he is like one of the premier guys for 
I don't like the term drones, but oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. aerial camera systems. I'm going to use that. I think drone has too much the connotation of it's you're going to bomb somebody or yeah. you know, you're going to kill somebody. So I like that, you know, aerial camera platform wow. or whatever you I, you know want to call it. But yeah, he's he's been doing a lot of that and and you know, he's like the dude for that. So I don't even know if he's if he's an audio guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I think he's full-time on on flying things around That's flying crazy. cameras so but yeah that was definitely and then next thing you know doing uh, nobody nobody back then i don't know if anybody does now but nobody at webster wanted to do audio everybody yeah. wanted to be the director the producer the camera person the actor and here I, i'm like i'll do it i think by the time i graduated it was like 15 student films or something done before <laughs> that i had done audio for i can't even remember yeah, and, and yours being one of them, Java. And we, and we did it right, where we had, you know, we, we, well, it was film at that time, yeah. so it was a separate recording yeah. system. So you I had, had a little DAT recorder. Yeah, yeah, so you, very similar to what I do now, carrying it all with me because we never knew where we were going to end up in a, in a back alley in St. Louis. And I remember doing one guy's film, and we it was two nights in a graveyard. That was wild, but you just never kind of, yeah, you kind of carry it with you, make it work. So you started out because I know you were a fan in college. It was like the real world. That's that's when that just came out. Reality wasn't what it is now. Um, so it was more of a social experiment then, which yeah. was really interesting. And I know there was there was a speaker at one point, one of the people from the real world. And at that time, you were wanting just to be a cast member on the real world. I I fell in love with that show. I don't I don't know what I thought it was the coolest thing, and it was awesome. And of course, you know, MTV was the coolest thing. Is MTV still cool? I don't know. I'm just old. I don't know, but that was when MTV first started showing. You know, yeah, it was, was still videos. videos. Yeah, there were still videos. Still videos, and then you know they had a few yeah. shows. But yeah, and then now just, it's all shows and yeah. really. I was a big fan videos. of that show. I auditioned, and then I ended up interning for the company that made Real World, and that was that was probably the turning point. Cause that internship turned into a job a year after I graduated, or actually right after I graduated a year later from the internship, and I. I, people that I had met on that internship was like, hey, send your resume to so-and-so. Next thing you know, I get an interview. Hey, we're going to hire you to do audio for the real world. And I was like, I made it. Like, this is it. This is where it all was working towards. And they called me like on a Monday and said, hey, can you move to Chicago in like three days? And I was like, sure, no problem. So I packed everything I had at the time, which wasn't very much, in my little car. And I drove up to Chicago, and I lived in a hotel for two weeks until I got my first paycheck, and I could find a room to rent in the neighborhood that we were filming in. And that's cool that you you found a passion in something technical, because really, yeah, it's sound is not it's not sexy. Being a no. cameraman is kind of it's kind of sexy. Yeah, yeah, this cam <laughs> a cameraman, and it's you know it's a ton of work. It tears yeah. up your shoulders, but yeah. it's but like something about the visuals that's amazing. If it's and and that's the thing. It's it, you're you're somewhat of an artist, even when you're, even when when it is a, a paid gig, it's art. And you you something goes wrong with the visual, you can you can fudge it a little bit, and it's like it's art. But bad sound is that's what Nick said. Bad sound. Yeah. You, you you can make you can you can make a good sound sound bad later, but you can't make a bad sound sound good yeah. later. You got to get it right when you're out there. And I, so I always remembered him saying that. Yeah, so it's super cool that you found that technical area, and it's like, yeah, I'm cool with this. I enjoy this, and uh, project-wise, you you know, there's different things. I know we've talked about. You're like, yeah, yeah. I want to do things that you know, have a little more meaning. It's a yeah. documentary that has some sort of social standing or can can make a change. I'm the same way. It's like those are 
I do different jobs to to just make money, but it, then it's it's in my heart. It's like, oh, I want to tell these great stories, yeah. and of course, that's all I've wanted to do. And so, yeah, sometimes it's it's a little more difficult to just do the the jobs that are making me money and all, all that. The, I mean, maybe yeah. I'm too too much of an idealist, or I, I don't know. Well, at 21, I wasn't thinking that. At 21, I was like, MTV, the real world, I've made it. Like this is it. Like, I don't need to go any further. And I rode that wave. I did three real worlds, some real world road rules challenges. I had a ball, met some amazing people, went to some cool places. And then as I and then, then I moved to L.A. I'm like, this is where the work is, right? I got to move to L.A. And then met new people. And, new, and then I'm growing and I'm still traveling. So, like, my progression to the projects I prefer to work on has changed. And then I've told, you know, when I'm speaking at St. Genevieve to the, some of those kids, I'm like, some of the jobs I do for the money and some I do for the soul. Um, like one of my favorite jobs I've ever worked on, never made it to air. I don't know if they've ever finished it, but we spent 18 days rafting the Grand Canyon with Native Americans. And you document, t- yeah, uh, you told me about that. Sounds yeah. like an amazing, that, that's a project that I think would be an amazing yeah. life experience. It was. I mean, we had people there like Russell Means, who has since passed away, um, Winona LaDuke. We had also had a, a Native Hawaiian who paddleboarded the the whole 18 days with us along the the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon. I mean, this was amazing, and it was all about talking about Native issues, not just, you know, obviously Native Hawaiian, but Native Americans in general, all these people from um, Ojibwe, um, Lakota, Navajo, um, Hopi, Zuni, like all these people together. I mean, it was amazing. I learned a ton, never made air. I don't think they ever finished the project. No one ever is going to see it. And it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to... I know I have that issue. You put so much energy into a project and, and when you're developing something, you're not getting paid. And so you're putting all your heart and soul into it. And I find I, I kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily burnout, but it's just like, I kind of run out of energy or it's, it's, I, the clock runs out where it's like, Oh, I need to start focusing on marketing myself to make money. And then I'll get back to this. And yeah. then the next thing you know, it's a year or you think, oh, hey, this other project will make money and it'll fund this other project. And, and so, yeah, it's kind of tough, man. I have Maybe no idea I'm a li- little flaky, but uh, I mean, I'm passionate <laughs> about everything. And yeah. it's like I, I have to I have to find that that team and, and, and get that going. Well, but. I'd have no idea why that project never got finished. You know, as the audio guy, I yeah. kind of come in, I do my job, I leave. Yeah. And then it's up to the production company or whoever's running it to finish the project. I don't know why that one was never finished, but I know that that's the stuff that I would prefer to work on but they're, they don't come around as often you know and they don't pay as well as some of the other jobs and sometimes you got bills to pay and that's the thing a lot of a lot of the really meaningful good things it, it's weird how television's not going to pick it up because a lot of times television wants a train wreck uh netflix is great <laughs> is great for it but with documentaries there's so many great documentaries yeah. on next netflix but then again, there's just not yeah I don't know it's just uh, it's not that that money in there. You put a, a lot out for a little return financially, but yeah. it's good for the soul. Now, yeah. now, do you know has has the real world ever had a, an episode in Nashville? Was that was that ever? I don't know. I feel like they probably have been to Nashville. I I don't know. Yeah, I didn't follow that. Yeah, much. I did. Yeah, when I did it, I don't think they had. They don't think they had been to Nashville at that point. Well, I know the show Nashville, of course, is is very popular, and one of the places it's it's filmed is uh, my friend Chris's place, a listening room cafe. Have you have you been down there yet? I haven't been to Nashville in years. Well, you, we're gonna have to go together because okay. I, I have so many I friends. Love I, I love it as well. My so my buddy Chris Blair has a place called the Listening Room Cafe, and uh, you know one of our sponsors for for the podcast, and it's just an amazing place. I've met 
so many cool songwriters there. I mean, people who, I, I mean, you're you're a little bit of a country fan, aren't you? Oh yeah, I love country. Yeah, do you know uh, Craig Campbell? I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, so he's kind of new, but really popular right now. And he was he was there when I went for about a what a couple weeks ago for the tenth anniversary. So he was performing Friday night with one of the guys in Sugarland and oh yeah, you know a bunch of number one songwriters. So it was really cool. But yeah, just had a great time. Always awesome. when I go down there and just meets so many amazing people, such good energy. Whether you're somebody that works in our field that thinks of hey, what you know, what is this? What how does this translate the video? Or you know, just somebody that appreciates songwriting. So listening room, we should go down there together, hang out with Chris. It's I love it. I've always had a great time, so we'll do that. And then, uh, you know, another place that I've traveled to is uh, another sponsor is uh, my friend Kevin Bowmancamp lives in eastern Kentucky in, like, coal country, and it's just driving through there. And I, I know uh, my buddy Ricardo Hayes, you were in the, you have a motorcycle. Yeah. I know he was just had a good time, just all these – I don't even know all the terminology, but all this, all the windy splitbacks or, you know, going up in the mountains, it's just absolutely beautiful. And Kevin is, he moved there to, to teach at an artisan center. Wow. So something that would be up your alley, kind of yeah, like the, totally. the full sale where people are, are in this small town in Kentucky and just, that there's really just a lot of great art there. So he started teaching there and then he's still doing, a lot of art, his uh, jewelry making. He makes uh, a lot of fine jewelry. He studied. Uh, he has a master's degree. Wow! So he studied that, and then he's he's also a blacksmith. And That's then, awesome. In uh, a lot of his stuff, it's cool. You'll dig this, and and I'll have to show. I I don't know if I showed you the video. I, I put it on the links of of the shows, and I'll I'll keep it on there for this. But it has moving parts. So we did a stop motion animation at one point, and it had this this cool little necklace that had gears it turned what? it has wheels it has it's one of the most amazing things i've ever seen and as the the wheel turns it has this kind of motion where it's 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 almost like when you watch the video like it's a little animal that's jumping wild. across or like an insect so i'll have to show you that but it's just you know it's cool one of the things that i love about this show is it's a way to have a great conversation with just people who i feel are amazing as yourself who are doing cool things and it's it's great to have you here, man. I've always thought, you know, Tyson Schaffner is an original. That's that's my term for people that are <laughs> just doing cool things. And I, I've never felt that I've been so much an original. But it's cool to know people like you. Thank and you. just look at you know, back in college you would always you would ride around campus on a unicycle. Yeah. Unicycle. I've got to work on my enunciation yeah. a little bit. I yeah. mean that was that that yeah. was amazing. Well that was I don't know where that started. Sometime when I was in junior high or high school, I was like, it'll be really funny, right? I'm going to get a unicycle. I'll be cool. And then I got one, and I couldn't ride the thing. And then sometime in college, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm taking summer classes. I'm going to be up here. Everybody's going home for the summer. I'm going to teach myself to ride a unicycle. So I did, and then I rode it to class. But it was great because you could have, like, a soda in one hand and a sandwich in the other hand and my backpack, and I could just ride to class. And I didn't have to worry about a, a a chain or anything. I just carried it with me. It was awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. What we're I'm trying to think of some other. I mean, we really didn't do crazy things in college. We had fun. Yeah. And you know, back then, it was I none did, of like the. It was none of that crazy like illegal stuff. It was just like I'm gonna dress up as a clown and rollerblade around campus, which I did one day. I don't know if I remember. I don't know uh, if you were there I, at I that point. I don't know if I was there at that point or not. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. And to this day, you don't drink at all, right? No. And you you have never... Well, I, I drank when I was a little... I drank when I was younger. Um, You know, when I turned 21, I was in Vegas because I was interning in LA. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm 21. And the people... I was renting a room um, from some awesome people. And they were like, you're turning 21. Let's go to Vegas. That's what you do when you're out here. We're like, okay. So we go to Vegas. And I bought one drink because I could. And then we went to a concert and I went bungee jumping. So yeah, you, so you had the experience of that one drink and you're like, all right. I was like, I'm, I just wanted I'm to good. say I bought a drink. And then I did. I gambled, of course. It's yeah. Vegas. And I was things that I was allowed to do finally, but never really been a, a drinker, no. And that's good. That's good. So, I mean, is that I know some people have the moniker straight edge. Is that just a Tyson thing being, or is that a, like a straight edge type thing? I don't think I'm hardcore enough to be straight edge. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think so. See, I don't know enough about that. So I just, I just know the term. So I had to throw yeah. it out there to yeah, I don't know. try to sound like I know something. No, cause I still like my soda and there's caffeine in that. Even though I try to stop it's a lot of okay. sugar, but every now and then I need the caffeine. To keep I haven't going. had any sodas this year. Good for you. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to keep it that way, but who knows at some point, I may break down because I, I like the taste. But if I can stay away from it long enough, I've been drinking, and, and this is, hey, I, I need to see if I can get these guys as a sponsor. This is drink BAI. I think it's called Bi. Okay. It's like antioxidant. It's just like a stevia type. Um, uh, I don't know. It's their own concoction of stevia and other natural sweeteners. And they have coconut and mango. And Whoa. it's just, you can tell, very little sugar. So it's just enough for a nice taste, but nothing over the top. Huh. This is pretty good. Yeah, you should have to look into uh, a sponsorship for them. But that's just something <laughs> something that I like, and and I uh, just picked them up, picked some up on Amazon the other day, and and so now I have some in the house. Okay. But I'm I'm trying not to go extreme with that. But uh, what else here? So the sound biz. Now, one thing that uh, which you've done with this so similar to Patch overall's experience, you uh, you sent your nephew on at least a trip or two. Yeah, my. Uh... Gosh, he just turned like 24. When he turned 13, it was like, what are you really into? Um, and he, at the time, he liked science and space. So we sent him to space camp um, when he was 13. And my, and my niece, who just turned 19, which is so crazy, when she turned 13, she was really into animals. So there was a camp in Missouri, actually in Rolla, um, that she went to that, you know. And maybe that's how this all started. I never even put all that together. It was like, you know, the idea was like, hey, let's give kids opportunities to get their hands into something, you know, like reading and in the classroom stuff is great, but you learn so much by being in the middle of it, you know, like, like audio. I learned, I felt like I learned more in the six months on the job than I might've learned all four years in college. Cause all of a sudden you're in the middle of it. You got to make it work. You're, you're, you're on the fire and you got to figure it out. Like, I think that's a great opportunity to learn, mm-hmm. not only learn about the, the, the subjects that you're learning about or whatever, but to learn about yourself and how do you react under pressure? How do you react when you're in the minority? How do you re- react when no one around you speaks English? You know, like, how do you communicate? How do you get by? Like, these are things that I think is awesome for students to just be thrown into and learn. And they learned, you know, my nephew learned about science and my niece learned about animals. And now she's actually in college right now studying zoology. And she has volunteered in St. Genevieve. There's a tiger sanctuary in St. Genevieve. It's awesome. And she actually... I didn't, I didn't know there was one. Yeah, yet. there's a tiger sanctuary. Whoa, I'm going to have to check that out. Oh, it's, they're amazing. They're great people. And the is tiger... Is it good for kids to... Yeah, yeah. I'll have to, they, well, they, I'll have to bring my niece and nephew down there at some point. I and, think they uh, have four tigers and one lioness, and they're all rescues. Yeah. Um, And my niece has been has volunteered with them during her senior year, and now she's carrying it on. Yeah, they're great. They're great people, and it's a... Uh, they give you... You get a little tour, and you see the tigers and the lioness, and they tell you, like, you know, it's all... um. 
you get to pet the tigers? Or no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, this is what my niece taught me. It's a sanctuary. Any place that says they're a sanctuary and they allow you to pet, it's not a sanctuary. Gotcha. That's Sanctu- good to know. They, they, you keep you keep as <clears throat> almost almost nothing or, or human contact. The only time I think there might be any is if it's veterinarian wise. You know, they might bring them up. You know, to sedate them or something. But in general, no one ever touches them. These are wild animals. They're not pets. And that's part of the issue because I'm sure at one time they were pets. And that's why they're now in the sanctuary. Yeah. It's- yeah. I think they're all <laughs> rescues. They could have been rescues from a circus. You know, yeah. I mean, it's some of it can, if you really get into that whole thing, it can be kind of sad. Um, but, you know, there are people out there doing great work and trying to help these animals and make, give them the best life that they can. And St. Genevieve has a tiger sanctuary. Who would have thought? I didn't know that. And that's, yeah. that's great to know. So for the listeners yeah. out there, that's a great crown great Ridge, crown Ridge tidbit. tiger sanctuary. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to point that out on, uh, Maybe the show description or in the intro. Yeah, that's that's pretty there, sweet, man. But it's it's, it's kind of cool too. Like what we hope with patched overalls is you know like like my niece for example. Like she has this great ex- experience when she's younger. Now she maybe she decides that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. Or maybe they decide I had a great time. I know that I don't want to do this. So before they spend fifty thousand dollars on a college or whatever to study something they don't even want to do. So it's hopefully giving these guys a chance to find some direction. You know, find a passion before they get out into the real world, quote unquote, right? And have to start paying bills. You know, maybe they'll have a direction to start early. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And that's <laughs> what I try to do with, not on that scale yet. My nephew, uh, he is 10 right now and my niece has turned six. So it's good to have a good barometer for the age for, for some, one of these special camps where they can really soak it in. And if anything, for, for Christmas, I like to give them a little experience whether it's swim lessons yeah. or um drum lessons so my nephew drum lessons awesome. and another sponsor dale's music i uh i signed him up why i started a little early i wanted to try to get him in the piano at three and that was probably too early but i was just kind of jazz yeah. and i maybe saw him as a little older so I, I signed him up for lessons at dale's then and he just wasn't into it and i was kind of like oh this is a bummer i finished the lessons which I learned a little bit, but not enough to, to really do anything, right. which it's on my list. You know, I'm, st- I'm still <laughs> not an done. Instrument. And then, uh, and then later on, I, I wanted to try again. And so I gave them a little certificate I made up for Christmas. It was like, Oh, you can get, you know, uh, you know, a lesson or a musical lesson. I, I think I specified cause I wanted them to try it again. Right. And so he, I asked him and it was like almost a year later. It was like, Hey man, what do you want to try? And, uh, and he had mentioned drums. And so my dad plays drums or played drums back in the day. And that's awesome. And now the both of them are working on drums. And so David took like five months of lessons at Dale's and he just wanted a little break. And so now he's just practicing some of the things. And, right. And his teacher, Kevin McDonald, who's becoming a friend, good dude and just wonderful teacher, has this the right energy for that. And so, so David would, you know, he's, he's now, he's jamming pretty good. And, but, but of course it's one of those things like, all right, you know, you're getting this pretty well, but you, you need to step it up. And yeah. he thinks like, whoa, man, I'm a great drummer now. But it's, it's like, man, you're doing great. Right. And, keep uh, growing, keep yeah, growing. Yeah, you got to keep growing. So yeah. maybe at some point it's a, it's a, a different experience. Like yeah. there's, there's some schools that, and I think Dale's might do this where they get kids together and then they can Yeah, jam. little camps and workshops. Yeah. And so stuff. a little camp yeah. or maybe take them to Nashville to see yeah. my friend Pino, who's yeah. this 
just a renowned drummer in Nashville. But Dale's is where it has started for David as many other people, whether guitar or any of that. So that's just, you know, a great place where kids can learn, adults can learn, or people can get their instruments fixed. And, you know, just a great, I think a a little gem in St. Louis. So for those in St. Louis, but you haven't played any music, have you? I did in high school. I played the trombone. Yeah. Gotcha. Good time. But that's great. You do that with kids too. Like your niece and nephew. I mean, I know, again, all of it seems to, everything in my life right now seems to go back to patched overalls, but a part of it is I don't want to collect stuff. I want to collect experiences. Yes, I definitely. Want to fill, I, want to fill, yeah. Yeah, I want to invest in my memory bank mm-hmm. more so than, you know, I don't need I don't need things just sitting on my wall collecting dust. So if you come to my house, I, I actually have two rooms in my house right now that are virtually empty because <laughs> um, I just don't have a lot of stuff. And I'm okay with that. But I think for kids, too, it's great Like when you can just give them an experience. Yeah. Um, and you see them do something they've never done. I, 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 uh, I don't, not on the list, but, uh, I've been doing a lot. I did, a, I, I did skydiving for a while. I was a, a certified skydiver. I say like licensed certified, not the right word. I was a licensed skydiver. I haven't skydived, skydove in like, I don't know, over two years, but, um, I would do the indoor skydiving all the time. I loved it. I still do it when I'm in LA cause there's a, a tunnel I go to all the time. But when you can go there and you can see these like seven-year-old kids or a little older, a little younger, and they just go crazy because it's the coolest experience. You have a 120-mile-per-hour wind in your face. You know, I mean, it's for me, it was always cool. Like if I can get in there and act like a, an idiot and play and the kids are smiling, I'm like, sweet. And then they come in and they have a good time. Like it's a cool experience for a kid to be like, I'm floating, I'm flying, because they can't do that till they're 18 to actually jump out of an airplane. Yeah. But but they yeah, that's cool that they can semi get the simulation, see if they yeah. like it. Yeah, exactly. Get the feeling so when they do yeah. jump out of an airplane, yeah. they won't totally yeah. be so freaked out. So if an adult out. who's like I've always wanted to go skydiving and they're really scared, find an indoor tunnel. It's a good place to start. You know, you get maybe you feel like, okay, this is what the wind is about, you know. But maybe you're going to find out you're like I'm not really scared of falling, I'm scared of dying. And you're like you're not going to die. You know, or I'm scared of heights, but you're, it's not a thing. Anyway, the whole skydiving thing was really uh, awesome. And at the time, I was really into it. But with, you know, my life is, my priorities are a little different now. And patched overalls has sort of taken over. So I can't, skydiving can be a little expensive. So yeah. one thing on, on my documentary, Disease, which I have to get back to it. So hopefully I'm making a good amount of money now where I can, I can get it back into it or hire somebody to help out. But one of the things I was interviewing John Vlasich, who is episode two of the podcast, and I'm, at some point I'm going to get to where I I probably won't remember who's what episode, but right now, <laughs> I mean, they all mean so much to me right, that right. it may be burned into my brain who's who's what episode. Um, Adam was episode four. So yeah, I still have that. Hopefully I don't forget those because they're all, you know, little yeah. co- collections of these experiences yeah. of this conversation. But John Vlasich, I was ta- interviewing him for the documentary, and I, it was he was talking about that experiences and do something. And he said kind of his wording was like, do something crazy, which his tone was, you know, do something out there, out of the box. But crazy could be interpreted yeah. so many different ways yeah. in this world we're living in. So it's kind of like I have to think about that when I when I put that into the documentary or put it like a yeah. disclaimer, like, no, don't don't. Don't yeah, do yeah. Think, all the crazy yeah. things everybody else. We're not even gonna. We're not even gonna. gonna it's about pushing your your, pers- your personal yeah. limits. You know, if yeah. your personal limit is, I don't know, maybe you have no rhythm. Take a dance class. You know, if you could just push, and that's what we talked to the kids about too with patched overalls. Like part of the thing that we think about when we're judging the proposals is how much have you 
challenged yourself to step outside of your own comfort zone. You know, that's, an, that's something because my personal belief is if you're always with the same people doing the same thing in the same place, you don't really know what you're capable of. So step out a little bit. Try something new. Try something you've never done. I went dog sledding, and I, there was a moment where I was like, I need to go home because this is awful. But you stick it out, and you're like, hey, I can do this. Or maybe you realize, I did my best. It's not for me. Let me try something else. I don't know. I'm going to go try glass blowing. I've never done that. Let's go try that. But it's really important, I think, to get out there and try something you've never done. But it, you got to do it on your own terms. You know, I'm not saying go jump out of an airplane if you if that's like deathly <laughs> scary for you. But you know, maybe the the, the tunnel or yeah. I don't know. It will be. And I thought when with this interview, I'm like, well, I think I have to skydive. Yeah. And so that's something I thought about. So hopefully. I'll get to that point with the documentary and then then you can join you go and skydive like right at the end of it. Like I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that because it's, it's a stretching out of that and, and overcoming fears and whatnot. Yeah. And you know, one, one of the experiences that I enjoy is bicycling. Yeah. And the first long ride I ever did, I hated it. And I did one day <laughs> and the next day my, and I borrowed Charlie Peterson's mountain bike. So oh, I did wow. a, the MS 150 and, and this is how, much of an idiot I am. I think, you know, the old saying like, oh, riding a bike, you know, it's just like riding a bike. It's it's so easy. easy. So I borrowed Charlie's bike on a Friday and I ride like maybe three miles. I go to a friend's house, drop something off, ride back. (laughs) And then the next day I go out to Columbia, Missouri and uh, jump on the bike and it's a 75 mile ride. Now I finished the first day and I was, I was the last one that, that came in. And then the next day I was with some friends of mine who were like, this sucks. Let's just... Let's just sag in. So they have these vans. So it was, it's like, all right, we're just going to drive to the end. We'll be done. Right. It wasn't that way because we we were going back and forth in these vans all day. But I was whooped. Yeah. And then like the last 10 miles, I think, yeah, we rode the last 10 miles because it was like, oh, hey, you're going to have to sit here for three hours. Like, no, we'll just ride Let's the ride last it. 10. And I felt like such a heel when I cross the finish line and they're like handing me this medal, it's like, yeah, I didn't really earn this. And I thought, yeah, I'm not going to do this bike ride again. This is hell and it's horrible. And as I'm driving back, I'm thinking, Oh, there's some cool elements yeah. and getting on the road and, and being away from things. And it's just like this little adventure. Yeah. And, and then, you know, a few years later when I, when I bought my road bike, it was, I put 1600 miles on my bike that year. Wow. And I think I did 700 mile bike rides. Whoa. So seven centuries. So yes, that was one incident where I hated it, but then it became something now it's a lifestyle thing. And I just had my bike tuned up and. And you would never known if you hadn't taken that first first one. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah. It's good. So yeah, I have to get some some bike people on the yeah right. You know, have a conversation about biking. If you in get general, any dog sledders, let me know. At some point, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to do a recap and and hear how oh. that it goes. Or you have to let me know, and I can do. Yeah. I can I can kind of let the listeners know what's what's going on. Yeah, this is gonna be probably one of the most physically demanding trips I've ever been on like i've been on stuff before you know maybe you get sick or maybe you know i hiked machu picchu so that was like a four-day hike and it rained for 24 day or 24 hours not 24 days for like 24 hours of our hike it rained on us i love time traveler yeah (laughs) right it was awesome um but i you know i loved it and it was tough but i loved it i got super sick from high altitude in the mountains at one point but the the, this dog sledding thing was so new to me like i had never been cross-country skiing that takes a lot out of me you know i have my backpack on and like it was the first time I'd ever slept out underneath the stars and below zero. You know, it was it was new. So this next phase 
is in Svalbard, Norway for me. So all the flights are booked, everything's set up. So we're going to be in Svalbard, which is an island, you know, fully in the Arctic Circle. So it's like one of the northernmost towns in the world that holds, has 24 hour, or 24, I can't even talk 24, has a 12 month, you know, inhabitants. Like it's a town, you know, it's not a research facility or anything like that. Like people live there. Anyway, it's just, I'm researching it. I'm like, this is crazy. They say, don't leave the town limits unless you have a shotgun because there's polar bears. And then we're supposed to be Arctic camping and dog sledding for like a week up there. I can't wait to hear about that. That (laughs) sounds, yeah. Sounds awesome. I'm a little scared. Yeah, I don't know. I, man, I don't know if that's something I would do. I don't like the cold. I just, thinking back to when I was in the Navy, just at times when we had really on the ship when we're not running the catapults, it was, there was no heat. So living on this ship, even in port, was just crazy. You wake up and you go to take a shower. It's, it's like 40 or 50 degrees, it feels like, because you're in this, this steel. Right. And so like it really, the, the weather comes through it. And then you go and there's no hot water and you have to take a freezing cold shower. I just thinking like, wow, that yeah, sounds like a grand adventure that you're doing, but well, I don't know. there's no know. showers where I'm going. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you would be taking nope, a shower a, during I, well, that time. It'd be too cold. On the training trip, we didn't shower. I mean, you're, we're fully camping. Like we're carrying all of our food with us. Like it's full on. So yeah, it's all, all exciting. Now, one thing, I don't know if you, you know, we, one thing we have in common that I don't know if you knew about, but we've both totaled a car. <laughs> and yours, your situation when, was a lot, turned you, out a lot worse than mine. When did you totaled your car? It was after, um, after my brief time in LA, uh, oh. I came back here and I was driving out to Kansas city for a, a friend's wedding. And I had a, a week where the gas was shut off in the apartment and was turned right back on. And I didn't, I guess I didn't like the pilot's on the stove right. And so the apartment was filling up with gas Oh no! and working from home. It was one of these situations where I, I just didn't notice it. And I was, at, I was at home like the whole week and I thought I was just down and depressed. Cause I'm like, man, I have no energy. Um, I was, you know, working oh through goodness. some, some issues, but, uh, it wasn't to my buddy Ricardo. I lived above his apartment and, uh, I was getting ready to go to Kansas city and he came up to tell me something. He's like, Whoa, what man, this place, reeks of gas what's going on i I was like i don't know i'm fortunate i left one day to go hang out with my dad one day and got out of there who knows wow who knows but i I think it was ultimately toxified right and then uh and then when i was driving i think my car had a little carbon monoxide leak and it was a nice sunny day i'm driving and i'm getting sleepy and i dozed and the worst part was you know i didn't drive off the road falling asleep but i hit the rumble strip and uh, it was, and, yeah. and I, it was just, I guess I was in a deep enough sleep for that moment that it, it shocked me. And uh, I hit the rumble strip and then I overcompensated, went into the other lane. And then it was like, oh, shoot. And I turned back and it shot off the road, went through that, yeah. went through that barrier, that, that steel wire barrier. Oh, goodness. Totaled my car. I was on the other side of the wire. So I don't know how that. You know, I was trying. I was trying to control it, and it was like, oh my gosh! And I, I got out of the car. I was like, oh, everything's good. But then, the other one side of the car was completely totaled. My bike rack was Ugh. ripped off, and it was yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, if you looked at my car from the right angle, you wouldn't know there was any problem. And then when you go to the driver's side, you're, oh, there's the problem. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Now, what was? And I know do you consider that a second lease in life with, well, with was, your situation, or what was? It's funny. I feel like looking back, it yeah, it could have been a lot worse. But in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't really so bad, you know. Um, 
it, it was my first big car, my first big accident ever in my life. And I have three small metal plates and 13 screws in my face. So that was interesting. But I remember, I remember very clearly, um, uh, uh, this really awesome truck driver came, got me out of my car, put me in his truck, made sure the ambulance found me, by the way, his name is Samir, super amazing guy from Bosnia. Nice. Great guy. Anyway, he totally took care of me at that point, made sure the ambulance found me. And I remember being in the ambulance on the backboard. My face is fully bandaged up because I was bleeding out of my head. Um, and I was thinking to myself, is this how I die? And if this is how I die, how did I do? I remember having that conversation in my head, and it was a, it was a it was a pretty um, powerful moment for me at that time to be like, okay, am I living the life I I'm supposed to be living? That I do the things I'm supposed to do? That I tell the people I care about, hey, I really care about you. Was I vulnerable enough to let people know how I felt? You know, these were things that I, I was I don't think I'd ever really done before. So it was like like a huh, you better get it together and start doing the stuff you're supposed to do. But you know, it was, it was a pretty powerful moment. Wow. Did you, and so your face impacted with the windshield, correct? I don't know what I hit. I was rear-ended okay. and then my car spun into the back of a semi truck. I'm not exactly sure if I hit the back of the semi truck or like where the um, seatbelt attaches to the side. You know, I don't know what I hit, but um, all the damage was to my face. Um, you know, I broke my face and I was out for about a month. Um, I had it was I remember February 9th was the sur- or the the accident the 11th I was at the doctor and on February 14th was my surgery and uh so it was Valentine's Day. Woo. <laughs> so I gave all my nurses and everybody their valentines and I said, "Can you make me look like Matt Damon?" And I woke up with this. <laughs> Good thing this is radio. <laughs> well, we will have a photo of oh, you on, yeah, the, on right. the show description and the but... website too. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah I'll <laughs> but... try to photo I'll put Matt Damon's photo. <laughs> So we'll have to scratch that last part yeah. that you But it was but said. it was great that because I say great, I mean it was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life and you grow from these things, right? That's what it was all about. So I went through a pretty tough time and I did a lot of reading and self, you know, soul searching and self-help book reading, but part of the money I got from my settlement, you know, that's what started patched overalls. I took a portion of that and I said, "Hey, I'm doing this." And I was able to do it. I had the means to do it from that. So it worked out really well. That's cool. You didn't have any back problems or anything like that you know you're sore yeah you know you're, you're sore I, yeah well work gives me back problems all the time yes yeah, speaking of yeah that's that's one thing that you know we're ch- totally changing subjects but carrying all that gear around yeah so it's good that you know i'm happy that everything worked out with that car accident when you told me about that it was that was pretty scary here i didn't hear about it right away yeah but you told me what happened it was pretty scary but yeah, that's one thing. So carrying the sound gear, and a lot of times it's, especially with reality, you have sometimes two mixers. You have, what, what's the what's the poundage of a reality sound rig for a, say, a big show? I say I'm anywhere on the low end it could be about fifteen pounds, but on the high end, I've carried as much as forty or fifty pounds. I mean, I did one season of Amazing Race, so I mean, you're also carrying your backpack and you're carrying this other stuff, so. I carried up to 50 pounds on that job. So it depends on the job. But anywhere, I'd say average is about 20 extra pounds that you're carrying at all times. But your mixer, you know, you carry on the front. So um, it's not a backpack. So you, you kind of, you're carrying it like, I don't know, like a baby Bjorn, but down by your by your hips. <laughs> so, you know, you're, and you're doing it for 10, 12 hours a day for weeks at a time. And I've done it for years at a time. So yeah, now it's, it can take a little bit of a toll on your on your back. That's for sure. 
And then how many mics at one time are you utilizing on on a show like that? The biggest show I've ever had. Um, now we can only bring up maybe depending on the mixer, you know, say eight mics. But we've had as many as oh my goodness, I think there was thirty mics or more out there on a the job once. So that's a lot of mic handling. It's good good for those aspiring soundmen out there to know. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you you've always had a, for the most part a smile on your face when you're doing it whenever I see yeah, it. So that's cool. For the most but, part, yeah, we all have bad days, yeah. right? And no no major back problems with there, uh, doing sound. There was some. I had to. I I ended up going to a chiropractor in Los Angeles. I was living in Los Angeles yeah. when when I got to my worst. I had a pinched nerve in my back. Um, and yeah, so I had to go to a chiropractor and doctor and get things sort of checked out. And did you find that that helped you getting those adjustments and getting, it, it helped me. And then, well, and I, cause I went to two different people. So, and then at one point I said, can you give me some exercises to do? Cause you know what the schedule that we had, I can't go every yeah. week, you know? So it was tough. You know, I might go and then have to wait six months because I was traveling or doing something. So it was tough. So, um, I would go anytime I could. And yeah, it always felt, always felt good when I left. And then I said, I need some exercises. Help me with that. So um, one of uh, one of the guys I was seeing was like gave me some good exercises and swimming, and then I started swimming, and that's helped nice. my back a lot. But yeah, it always feels feels good after you leave the doctor. So my chiropractor, Doctor Mark Holland, he um, yeah, that's one of the big things he's always said. He's given me different stretches and exercises, yeah, exactly. And that was well before I started yoga. So I had like you know he's he's into like the the yoga ball and just doing yeah. basic stretches you can do at home. And then even with, with the yoga and everything, there's more advanced things. And I just feel the flexibility so much more that I really haven't dealt with any back issues. But I know he's always been been big on stretching. And just sometimes just getting that adjustment is great when you have that yeah. tightness or you get the, somehow you throw one of those vertebrae out of whack. You know, it's nice to go in there and get it popped. And usually I'm sore for a few days afterwards because I think the muscles and and everything, but usually, yeah. I mean, I've had good luck with it and, you know, I've never had any problems and I've always, you know, get like, I haven't been in a while and maybe it's the yoga that's helped, but you know, every now and then I'll go get my adjustments and mm-hmm. just kind of keep, make sure things are in alignment or my shoulders, I think sometimes get out of alignment, but he's great. And, you know, I mean, there's not as much sound here, but I, I think he would be a guy that sound men would like because he's such a <laughs> yeah, cool well, guy to talk to, yeah. and he's just so energetic and such a fun dude. A lot of the guys in our no, business, they, they need the, they need the extra adjustment from time to time. You're carrying you're carrying gear, and it's not always the most ergonomically correct way of carrying things. Yeah. You know, camera guys have it on their shoulders. You know, we have it on our front, and you know, grips are carrying everything. So, you know, people need the adjustment from time to time, yeah. and it's good that you know. It's great that your guy too, you know, here's stretches you can do. Here's exercises. My guy in LA, when I was out there, same thing, you know, and they said a big thing too was working on your posture. You know, 90% of my problem, he said, was your posture. The rest was the carry and the heavy stuff. And then I would carry it with bad posture. And he goes, that's what was really messing you up. So he taught me good ways of better ways of sitting, even just the proper posture to sit. And those are kind of things that Mark does as well. And that's what I, that's what I think is great about, uh, yeah. you know, the practice of chi- chiropractic. I, I don't know. Is there a chiropractory? What's, uh, what's the name? <laughs> I have I no idea. <laughs> I should ask him. You know, he's been he's been very supportive of me over the years. And any sound men coming in through town or Need an adjustment. You know, people working here, yeah, he's uh, – you know, he's he's a go-to guy for me. Nice. So he's always – all his doctors that, that he works with, he's four locations, yeah. great people. What's well, at the end of the day, it's good to know people. When you get out you meet new people, you never know – who might end up being somebody who helps you out when you need a hand? Definitely, definitely. So, what what are so you have the Iditarod? That's a that's one of your next adventures. What? Well, this technically the I think that this, this is not the Iditarod. This is a separate, just sort of a, a separate okay 
trip. I, but know, that style, the Iditarod that sti- style. That people style. know the name of yeah, that. Yeah, people for know dog Iditarod. Sledding. Yeah, it's actually when I say dog sledding, it's the first people. Oh, Iditarod. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's. I think that's like that's like a race. Gotcha. You know, and these guys are racing, but it's yeah. dog sledding, and it's in, yeah. in, in, in the sort of Alaskan wilderness. Um, this is more of like a organized camping trip. Yeah, polar expedition. Yeah, we'll go. That sounds, I like that. I that like sounds polar, way cooler. Join yeah. Tyson Shafter on the polar polar expedition. expedition. Now I get to add the part where it's like, oh, it's one of the northernmost you know towns in the world, fully in the Arctic Circle, you know, I could just say cool stuff like That's that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty, so, we'd yeah. be periscoping from there. Or do they even have internet or we get, we <laughs> I don't think, your phone? I, I'm not even expecting anything. No, I, ha- I have, get a, away from your phone I have a, a small solar panel, but I don't, I, I took a lot of this stuff with me on the training trip and just, it just didn't work. You know, it was too much gear to carry. Um, of course, in the cold, your batteries are going to die a lot faster. So it's like, you know what? I may not even take that many pictures. I'll take a couple and then call it a day. Yeah, what was your what was your I guess we'll end on what was your best trip? Well, we're not going to end on that, but we'll couple things. Uh, what what was the, the most memorable adventure that you've had? I oh gosh, I don't I I think out of my top there's my top 3 locations that I've ever been to. Um for me, I love nature. I want to be involved I want to be out in the nature. And for me, Switzerland, and I did a skydive in Switzerland which blew me away, you know, falling through a cloud and all that sort of stuff. It was pretty amazing. Um New Zealand absolutely gorgeous landscape i mean anybody who's watched lord of the rings i mean that's new zealand it's freaking amazing and then the probably the other big one is antarctica and that was that was a huge milestone for me to go to antarctica because at that point it was my seventh continent so i had touched all seven continents and um it's amazing i love so it. that that was like a whole nother world and that's why i was like at some point i got to go to the arctic i've been to the antarctic so here we are going to the antarctic and now the arctic soon very cool, man. Very cool. And what is, if you could only take one more adventure, we've already talked about the dog sledding, but if it, what's the ultimate adventure? Is it traveling to Mars? What space. Is it? space. Totally space. All right. <laughs> if I could go to space, that would be the only reality show I'd sign up to be on is if I could win a trip to go to space. If you can get a hold of Richard Branson and hook that up for me, I would totally appreciate now, it. Now, when you say space, is that just like taking, like going to the moon or something? Or is that, uh, I don't, it, is that like living on Mars and we'll never see you again type stuff? I, I don't have to go that far. Like, you know, I, I, I met people who are far more adventurous than I am. So I'll let them go there. I'll just take sort of the, you know, the beginner course first and just, <laughs> I'll just go like do a lap around the earth a couple of times and come home. I can start there. Okay, cool. Or just yeah. do the plane where it's zero gravity. Maybe yeah, the that, vomit comet. That, yeah. That's on my bucket list. There you go. Yeah, cool. definitely would do that. Well, my friend, if you boldly go where no man has gone before, as they say in Star Trek, and you're on some spaceship, you know, let us let us know beforehand so we can say goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> or we'll until next time. But uh, thank you so much, Dyson. It's no, wonderful thank you. having this conversation with you, and it's uh, it's been a privilege being your friend all these years. So oh, I really did a. I really thank you for accepting me as as your friend. Absolutely. All right, brother. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Sleeping under the moonlight Waking on top of the world Sleeping under the moonlight Waking on top of the world On top of the world
Knowing the unknown, oh oh oh. 